0: Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Certain Terms, the official podcast for the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 18th, 2021. Your sanctuary, Your sanctuary from partisan, partisan politics. politics. The longest-serving state house speakership in American history has reached its ignominious end. The man known as Public Official A in the documents of federal investigators that would be 37-year veteran Representative Michael Madigan of Illinois, could not cobble together the votes of his peers necessary to keep his gravy train on track. Let's discuss the Illinois earthquake with U.S. Tournament's Executive Director, Nick Tombalides. Hey, Nick. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Well, it looks like the 37-year speakership of Illinois Speaker Michael Madigan has come to an end.
1: That's right. Uh, We will not be shedding any tears on this podcast Um, Nope. Because it came to an end in the worst possible way. Um, By the time this guy actually left office, it was way too late. He had already done a lot of damage. Uh, But in Madigan's case, his closest associates were involved in a very bad bribery scheme. Mm -hmm. They took jobs. They took contracts. They took payments. So Madigan could be influenced. It was
0: involving a utility company. And Mm -hmm. Madigan himself might be next. Oh, yeah. In fact, that's one thing that jumped out about this is that how anticlimactic it was because he wasn't let away in handcuffs, right? He's actually not been charged. Um, he's the focus yet. of the federal – yet. is the focus of the federal investigation and five of his cronies have already been charged with crimes. Um, some are pleading guilty and some aren't. But he lost his speakership by the fact that it was so clear that this scandal is um, real. ComEd admits this, by the way, that they're involved in this. That's the largest utility in Illinois. And so, so many of the Democrats in the House had said that they will not vote for him as Speaker, that he couldn't cobble together the 60 votes necessary to keep that position, and so they gave it to someone else. And that's with a poof. He's gone, and that legacy of unchallenged power vanishes.
1: Yes, and um, you know his office was raided by federal agents. Basically, mm-hmm. what happened? This public utility they funneled over a million dollars to his associates for no-show jobs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hoping that would get him Madigan to support 150 million dollar uh, windfall legislation for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking, you know, maybe this change was engineered so Illinois would not have the shame of an active House speaker going to prison. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I'm surely that's what the Democrats are worried about. I mean, they're not worried about having justice served. I mean, we know this because in the Illinois House, there was a call for an investigation by the House itself. And of course, the House is completely dominated by the same party as the Speaker, Michael Madigan. In the final vote of that committee, there was a 3-3 vote, which basically means that because the Democrats have control of that committee, that it's quashed that investigation. But as part of that investigation some new information did come out, uh, and that is that there was a huge email dump from ComEd, the largest utility in Illinois, and it showed all these discussions about these no-show jobs and everything, and also the new information was that uh, Madigan kept trying to weasel in to get the quote-unquote property tax work of the utility for his own firm, which specializes in that kind of work. And so there's actually new allegations coming out as a result of this further investigation.
1: Yeah, and people have speculated for years that Madigan – we don't know exactly what he's worth, but people have speculated that throughout 37 years in office or whatever it was. I mean he's become one of the richest people in the state of Illinois. Uh, Not that there are many people left living in Illinois um, (laughs) because they're all leaving, but he's one of the richest people in Illinois because he's got this racket where his firm – he elects the local uh, property appraisers and then people hire his law firm to handle their property tax appeals. Um, right. So he's he's already got his tentacles in so many different corrupt buckets. Um, we can say this is sad, but it's certainly not surprising because we see this everywhere. I mean, New yeah. York State, we had the 38-year uh, New York legislator, the 20-year House speaker, Sheldon Silver, who's a Democrat, went to prison for corruption. At the same time, the 30-year... Uh, New York legislator Dean Skelos, a Republican leader, Senate leader, was convicted as well. This goes mm-hmm. way beyond partisan politics. We had the Republican Speaker of Ohio was arrested this year for taking bribes from nuclear energy utilities. He's awaiting trial. So bottom line, keep your guard up around politicians. When they trot out that crap about institutional knowledge, politely remind them that career politicians everywhere are going to jail.
0: That's right. In fact, I note you pointed out Democrats and Republicans here, but one caucus they're all a member of is the uh, <laughs> Long Tenure Caucus. All these guys have been there for decades, and soon the Orange Jumpsuit Caucus. And, and by the way, Madigan's not off the hook. He's public official number A in these documents. He's referred to in these uh, emails from ComEd as our friend, and there's no question who it is. And,
1: you know, sometimes you see cases of people who might be personally corrupt, but still good at their jobs. This is not one of those cases. And career politicians as a collective more broadly are not one of those cases because Illinois, under the leadership of Madigan, is a dumpster fire. They've got the worst debt of any state. They have $250 billion in outstanding debt versus around $50 billion in assets. It's a fiscal catastrophe that's the worst debt ratio of any state. And by the way, of the top five states with the worst debt ratio, none have term limits for their legislatures. Illinois, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York. Of that group, only New Jersey has term limits on the governor. And so I would ask, rhetorically, if political experience was really the be-all and end-all, if politicians get better with more time in office, as all of these Washington insiders allege all the time, wouldn't each one of these states be doing very well? Wouldn't Springfield, Illinois be a utopia with impeccable finances? Instead, <laughs> it, it's it's a corrupt cesspool, and the blame is squarely with Madigan and the career politicians.
0: Well, they're doing a good job of stealing money, so if that's your aim, I think that they score very high marks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the replacement for Madigan because, you know, the uh, committee squashed the House investigation of Madigan, the internal investigation. And the committee that was conducting the investigation was chaired by a gentleman named Chris Welch, who, it turns out, is who the Democrats chose to lead them as the new speaker to follow Madigan, a longtime ally of Michael Madigan. But there is something else sort of interesting about this gentleman that came out this week. They've been asking about how he's going to uh, you know, fix the legislature and its uh, reputation it has uh, for corruption. And one of the things that came out of his mouth is that he likes the idea of having term limits on the speakership. Are you impressed by that?
1: Not really, uh, mm. especially because he's calling for a, a leadership term limit around 10 years um, so it's like right now, Illinois has, a, has basically a cancer. Illinois government, not the state. Yeah. The state is great. People are great. Oh, yeah, sure. But il- Illinois government in Springfield has a cancer, and that's like putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, you really got to treat this problem aggressively. You need term limits for the entire legislature, not just a flimsy term limit on the leader. And I think the jury is still out. Um, both the jury that might convict Mike Madigan someday— And the jury of public opinion to decide whether this new speaker is going to be his own man, you know, whether he has the independence to make his own decisions or whether he's going to be a Madigan puppet. Because even though Madigan is no longer running the show officially, he's still there. He's still elected. He's still in Springfield. I mean, this could be kind of like a Putin and Medvedev situation. Remember with that time when Putin stepped down to try to get around his term limits and the successor was just a hand-picked puppet who was controlled every step of the way by Putin and then Putin came back later on. I hate that we're comparing United States elected officials to Russian dictators, uh, but that's where we are in the year 2021.
0: Yeah, I want to underscore a point you just made about the importance of legislative term limits and particularly in Illinois, because it is true that Madigan is out, but his ally is in And remember, it wasn't just Madigan. After the 37 years, he wasn't there by himself. Part of his power came from the fact that he was doling out all these favors to his cronies. It's a machine in Illinois. And everyone else in the machine, except for the ones that have been um, indicted now, are still there. And so to really clean up Springfield requires pressing reset on the whole legislature, not just on the top dog. So you're right. Illinois will not be fixed until we see this crop of legislators replaced with a new one, which will only occur due to term limits. For U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, it's not enough to lie. He has to spit in your eye afterwards. For this, Senator Cassidy is the focus of this week's Scofflaw Report. When U.S. Representative Bill Cassidy was making his career leap to become a U.S. Senator Cassidy, he made a popular promise to his constituents. He signed the U.S. Term Limits Congressional Pledge in which he committed himself to, quote, co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. Term Limits Amendment of three House terms and two Senate terms and no longer limit. You can see a copy of his pledge signed by Cassidy and a witness at termlimits.com. Of course, Cassidy had seen the polling. We know this because in a letter to a constituent that USTL has in its possession, Cassidy wrote that, quote, according to a report done by Gallup Polling, 75% of Americans said they would vote for tournaments for members of Congress. In the same letter, he boasted, quote, I signed a pledge to co-sponsor a constitutional amendment limiting House members to three terms, six years total, and senators to two terms, 12 years total. He continues, Thank you for taking the time to write me regarding your position on acting term limits. I agree with you committedly. In fact, Senator Cassidy lied. Following his election to the Senate, he rebuffed requests to live up to his pledge. Childishly, he went so far as to introduce his own term limits resolution, calling not for three terms in the House and two in the Senate, but nine terms in the House and three in the Senate. That is 18 years in each House. We are unaware of any term limits resolution weaker than Senator Cassidy's ever. It hardly needs to be pointed out that 18 years in each House, 36 years overall, is not a term limit at all. It is a mockery of the promise he made to voters in order to get elected. Note the cynicism as well. If asked by a constituent in the future, if he supports term limits, he can answer, Why, yes. In fact, I introduced a tournaments bill myself. This is an old political trick. Cassidy knows that close to 93 members of the U.S. Congress, House and Senate, have signed the same pledge he did. He knows that all the tournament supporters in Congress cannot, in good faith, support his bill. They explicitly promised their constituents they wouldn't. In fact, they promised genuine tournaments. So, the scofflaw Cassidy, still in office, gets to pretend he supports tournaments with his sponsorless bill that he can rest assured will never even get a hearing. Whenever any politician tells you they have their own new and improved turnlets bill, you can be sure they're playing Cassidy's game. There is a kind of man who will lie to your face and then laugh derisively at you for believing him. Scofflaw Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana is such a man. So, Nick, the legislative sessions are opening across the country. Do we have any news this week on the Term Limits Convention resolution?
1: We've got a new filing in South Carolina, in the South Carolina House of Representatives, to be more specific. Um, There's no resolution number yet, uh, but we know that Term Limits Convention will be filed by Representatives Jason Elliott, Robert May, and Cal Forrest. Uh, so we'd like to send a shout out to them and thank them for having the guts and principles to file this great bill.
0: Great. Now, we don't have a lot of the groundwork laid in South Carolina. We have been there one time before. I mean, this resolution was introduced right at the beginning of this Article 5 tournaments Convention effort that we're involved in now back in 2016. I think that was the first year. And um, it was introduced, but we ran into some procedural problems there, and I think there's still a problem. Am I right about that?
1: Yes, and I would correct you a little bit. I would say okay. in, terms of, in terms of grassroots and leadership and volunteers, we definitely have built the groundwork in South oh, okay. Carolina. Okay. We, we've got a, a tremendous block of supporters, and they are ready and raring to go to fight for this. But the problem is South Carolina, the legislature has a very arcane rule. Um, specifically, the state senate has a rule called the minority report. And um, that's not a movie with Tom Cruise, but in South Carolina, it's arguably just as obnoxious because the (laughs) rules of the South Carolina Senate allow any member, just a single member, to object to a bill with a minority report, which hobbles it considerably, slows it down, and makes it so that you need a supermajority to get it off that report and onto what is called special order. Um, I so see. the rule, the rules in South Carolina make it very difficult to get anything done.
0: So, of course, there will be an objection to tournaments from a body of politicians that pretty much goes without saying. And I know that South Carolina, like everywhere else, the people there are completely on our side. I saw the polling from early 2020 that showed what we see everywhere—you know, 78 to 83 percent supporting tournaments across the board, just like everywhere else and so it's really a matter of trying to get over this supermajority hump
1: i'm going to interrupt you we have some news breaking in real time here um the south carolina resolution was just given a number in the house uh, and it is h3663 3663 in the house and by the way in the house as opposed to the senate there are no impediments to passage like that minority report. The House functions uh, more like a typical legislature where you just need an up or down majority rules vote. And so we need to fight for that House passage, which could be momentum leading into the Senate.
0: Right. Um, Show support. Yeah. It'll uh, get right. the activists noisy on the ground so that the senators will realize that people really want this and care about this and are watching.
1: What South Carolina has in the Senate, it's basically the opposite of what you learn in sixth grade civics. Uh, you heard presidents had a veto. Well, in this state, a senator has a de facto veto. It Makes the process very tough. But you have to remember, this is more of a handicap for partisan bills. The minority in Minority Report refers to the party that's not in power. So in this right. case, would be the Democrats. But on mm-hmm. term limits, there is no minority. The whole country and both parties, at least voters, are behind this. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we do not have a chance. It's just going to be an uphill climb, and we're all going to have to Work very hard in South Carolina.
0: Okay, but we definitely have a good chance to get it passed through the House, which is a first and a very important step. And so we will put our efforts into it, and we have a good chance of succeeding in that one House for sure. Absolutely. This is a public service
1: announcement.
0: The Turn Limits Convention resolution has not yet been introduced in the West Virginia House this session, but likely sponsor Representative Jeff Pack was caught inviting co-sponsors on the House floor last week. Recall that over 50% of both the West Virginia House and Senate have signed the U.S. Term Limits Legislative Pledge to co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution. The introduction of the resolution is expected on February 10th.
1: For any who are interested in co-sponsoring Term Limits Resolution, I have the sponsor uh, sheet here on my desk. It will remain here uh, for the next Hour or so, so if you're interested in being a co sponsor, please stop by and sign that so I can get that turned in. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Do
0: you have a stomach to uh, talk some more corruption, Nick? Go on. <laughs> You've heard, I'm sure, about uh, Representative Stephen Palazzo, Republican in Mississippi, is the latest member of Congress to be investigated by the House Ethics Committee for campaign spending. Shades of Duncan Hunter.
1: You know, he was. Um I read this. He was accused of steering campaign money into his own property and into Mm -hmm. his wife's accounting firm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm going to play politician's advocate for a second here. I don't want to insult the devil. I can't insult the devil. So I'm going to play politician's advocate. Okay. Maybe these were legitimate services. But then again, maybe not. It certainly seems more plausible uh, than Duncan Hunter using campaign cash to fly a pet rabbit across the country in first class or or buy video games. Yep. So we'll see. Everyone is entitled to due process, right? So I'm, I'm not ready to throw the book at this guy yet, but what say you?
0: That's fair. Um, I did read over the details, and I understand why he's being investigated for sure. The roll call reported a few weeks ago that uh, Plaza has spent about $230,000 from his campaign funds since 2010 on his car expenses, uh, purchases associated with his own home, upkeep, a lot of reimbursements to himself, payments to his brother... We know he bought a $5,000 Murphy bed for his congressional office, which is a House rule violation. But again, you know whether that's corrupt, it's probably in a gray area. It's just that it's another case of a long chain of such cases, many of which are quite egregious. And it's something that members of the Congress are tempted by and often uh, fall into. I will note, however, that Stephen Palacio is not a signer of the U.S. Tournament's Pledge, It seems to me that he intends to be a successful career politician, and to me that means that things like utilizing the power and perks of office are par for the course for someone with that mentality. So I guess I'm a little less skeptical than you are of this investigation, but uh, we'll see what comes up from it.
1: Yeah, when Stephen Palazzo filed a few years ago the flimsy, fake 12-year-in-the-House Term limits bill that should have been the canary in the coal mine that should have been an early warning uh, that something might be wrong here because twelve-year uh, limits are typically filed by politicians who would love to be able to say they're for term limits but deep down don't really support it and don't want to see any real action on the issue.
0: As a practical matter, there cannot be real action on a twelve-twelve bill in the Congress because roughly ninety-three members of the Congress, that's the House and Senate, um, have signed the U.S. term limits pledge which precludes them from signing on to a 12-by-12 bill. So pretty much everybody that's for tournaments in the Congress cannot be involved in this bill. He knows this. (laughs) He was shown the US Tournament's pledge. We made the pitch to him. He refused to sign. So it's not like uh, this is a mistake or he just has this uh, different opinion about the length of terms. He wants to be able to play both sides be four tournaments at the same time that he makes sure that tournaments never see the light of day.
1: Yeah, when when you see any twelve twelve bill or like a 18-year bill, eighteen year bill similar to this garbage from uh, Bill Cassidy, know <laughs> that what you are what you are seeing is a PR stunt. Right, uh, it's grandstanding. These people have no interest in seeing serious term limits get accomplished.
0: Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of No Uncertain Terms. Term limits convention bills are being introduced in one state legislature after another. These resolutions won't pass themselves. Politicians only pass turn limits when citizens pressure them into doing so. This week's action item is for residents of Tennessee, Kentucky, and Iowa to contact their legislators and ask them to co-sponsor and vote for the Turn Limits Convention resolutions recently introduced in those states. If you live in Tennessee, Kentucky, or Iowa, please go to termlimits.com. Under the Current Actions tab, you'll have the opportunity to send a quick message to your legislators. That's TurnLimits.com under the Current Actions tab. Other states will be added soon. Thank you. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast.
1: We we need a t-shirt that says, like, power plus tenure equals corruption, and then on the back it says term limits.
0: Oh, that's nice.